that we can lift your name up in freedom to for all the ways that you step into our lives each day and so many of those we're not even aware of but thank you for the ministry of your spirit in our hearts thank you for the encouragement that you are to us thank you that your grace is sufficient for everything that we need and everything that we face each day God I pray that in the next few moments as we open your word that our hearts would be tender to you that your spirit would be free to mold our hearts and to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. And that folks who are close to us would see Jesus in us because of the time that we reflect on you and your word. Your promise is, is that your word is alive, that it is powerful, that it cuts into the very core of our being. And we claim that promise this morning. We ask that your word would do that, that it would come alive in us. So thanks, thanks for the opportunity, thanks for the ministry of your spirit. Be pleased with our coming together and worshiping you and listening to you this morning. May it be your words that are spoken, in your name we pray, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. As Steve was sharing this morning about my name being PT, uh, he, you know, he got it from a teenage point of view that he thought I was trying to be hip. I, I never have tried to be hip. I know that's way beyond me. Uh, but what I did realize when I met some of them, Steve included, uh, is that they were pretty simple and couldn't always understand everything that was said to them. And so often we had to use smaller vocabulary so that they could keep up and we didn't want them to miss out. And so just, you know, I, I want you to get both sides of the coin uh, each time. If you've been with us, we've been working our way through uh, the Bible as a whole, doing all 66 books. We are now at Second Kings, and we're talking about the whole story. Pastor Mike has been talking to you about some historical books the last few weeks, First and Second Samuel and First Kings, and I get Second Kings, which I'm actually very happy about. Um, the, the gentleman that we're going to chat about this morning is a wonderful example in the book of 2 Kings, and, and I love this, this guy, this king's story, and I want to talk to you about it. First and 2 Samuel and First and 2 Kings are all four historical books. I love history. I love to see what happens and why it happens, and the reason that these are, one of the reasons that these books are given to us is there are some of the history of the kings that we find in the Old Testament. Now, we know this, that the nation of Israel didn't need a king. They had God, and God wanted to be their king. He wanted to direct them. He wanted to guide them. He wanted to lead them. But they looked around, and they saw that every other nation had a king, and they, they came before God, and they said, we want a king as well. And God said, no, you don't. And they argued and said, yes, they did. It sounds a lot like us. We go before God often and we say, God, I want this. And God's very quiet. And he says, no, you really don't want that. And we say, yes, we do. We think that's exactly what we want. And God sometimes gives in to us. And he did to the nation of Israel. And what you find happening in these four books is that one nation that was supposed to be this great nation that was going to be an example of who God was to all the nations and, and, and everyone that would come would see the hand of God working in this group of people became two nations that were at odds with one another. Two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. 
And they fought each other and they disagreed with one another. And that so often happens to us even as believers where God pulls us into his family and he says, I want to show off my greatness through my people. And we get twisted at one another and we end up at odds with one another and doing things that are disgraceful before God. And people on the outside looking at the church of Jesus Christ go, if that's a picture of God, I don't want it. And that's really what happened to the nation of Israel as it divided into two kingdoms. And really the book of First and Second Kings were one book but written as two for us so that we would understand what was going on and we would see the picture of God showing up for his people. And in the book of first and sec- books of first and second kings, you have 20 kings for Israel and 20 kings for Judah. 20 kings for Israel were all evil and did evil in the sight of the Lord. And 12 kings for Judah did evil in sight of the Lord. Eight kings kind of honored the Lord. Two did really, really well. In the middle of this book called 2 Kings, most of your major and minor prophets that we're going to look at in the next little while all live during that period of time. There's 300 years that are represented, and God is speaking to the people and saying, come back to me, come back to me, remember the covenant that I made with you. It was the Mosaic covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that God had made with his people, and he uses the prophets He uses Elijah and Elisha at the beginning of 2 Kings. The beginning of 2 Kings is incredible stories of God showing up with his people and saying, Hey, I am God. I want you to honor me. And his people continue to break the Mosaic covenant that they made. And God uses the prophets during this period of time to tell them, look, if you continue down this road, if you keep breaking this covenant, I will always keep my end. But if you remain unfaithful, then I will judge you. And there will be destruction. And I will do what it takes to pull you back to myself. Now, we can sit here this morning and go, whew, that was Old Testament, man. We're not under those covenants anymore, and you're right. We're not. We are not the nation of Israel. Those covenants were not written to us. But folks, let me tell you something. The character of God does not change. And God, in his grace and in his mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, which is the divide, remember, between the Old and New Testament. We'll get there. But the promise all the way through the Old Testament, all the covenants, is that I would send a Redeemer. I would send one who would make a way for you to be made right with God, your Father, the Creator. And that person will be Jesus Christ, and he will be grace, He will be full of grace and mercy. He will show you a way to be redeemed and restored to your Heavenly Father. And Jesus did that. He came and he lived a perfect life and he walked on this earth and he showed us what it means to follow God and the character of God and the truth of who God is. And then he went to a cross and he died for you and I, for me, for you, and he paid the price for our sin on that cross so that we could be restored and made right to our Heavenly Father. But folks, if we as Christ followers do not humble ourselves, we are no different than the nation of Israel or the nation of Judah. And God will punish us. Hebrews tells us that those who are his children 
will be punished as a father punishes or disciplines his sons and his children. So what God is writing in the book of 2 Kings to a nation who is going its own way, he is also saying to us today, humble yourselves, yield, say yes to God, honor him, live for him. And in the middle of this story, I want to pull out one character out of the book of 2 Kings, found in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. If you have your Bible and you want to read it for yourself, that's where I'll be this morning. And I want to talk to you about a king who is the greatest king in my, in my mind, as I read it, of the nation of Judah. His name is Josiah. And if I put a title on this this morning, I would say a tender heart or a tender heart toward God. The story of Josiah starts in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1, and it says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years stop for a minute. Eight years old. Parents, do you have an eight-year-old? We have an eight-year-old here? Can you imagine your eight-year-old being king? (laughs) Wow. Think about it. Now, obviously, Josiah had some really good advisors that were part of this picture. But I need you to get in your mind how real this is because God puts this on on purpose. Josiah is eight years old when this takes place. And what I need you to grab before I go into any more detail about this, this guy's life, this king's life, I need you to realize that at eight years old, he had a tender heart toward God. Folks, parents, grandparents, teachers, listen to me. Our culture, our society has made a grave mistake. We have said that kids do not grow up until they're 18 to 21, and now we're pushing that to 30. We're saying, hey, they got to sow their wild oats. No, they don't. It's a lie from Satan. At eight years old, you can be tender to the Word of God and the person of God, and the Spirit of God can get a hold of your heart and make you into a man or a woman of God. It's all the way through the the Gospels. It's all the way through the Scriptures of young people whose hearts are challenged by the person and the character of God who say yes to God and live for God. They don't don't take a, a deviation while they're teenagers to do their own thing. They follow God all the way through. Parents, don't buy the lie. Your kids don't have to go that route. They don't need to do that. The Spirit of God who is strong enough to save them is strong enough to keep them. Don't back off. Don't walk the line and say, they got to make the choice. Yes, they have to make their choice, but they can live for God, and they can do incredible things for God. Let them do it. Let them have a voice for God. Josiah becomes king of a nation at eight years old with a tender heart toward God. Look at, look at verse 2. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, and he walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or to the left. He stayed tender to the word and the person of God. And you're going to be amazed as we go through this story and you learn how little he knew about the character of God at this point in his life when he's young. And yet he said yes to who God was. And he was tender to the person of God. 
So somebody in the background who was close to this young man was teaching him some principles that really mattered. Somebody was in his life saying, you need to say yes to the law. You need to say yes to what the word of God says. And I know it was the law back then, but you need to say yes to this one Jehovah. Parents, grandparents, that's your role. It's to come beside those little ones and say, you need to say yes to the person of God in your life. You need to say yes to the character of God in your life. You need to be in the Word of God. Even as a little child, you need to be in the Word of God, memorizing it, singing it, knowing it. Make it real in your heart and your life. If you look at verse 3, it says this, that in the 18th year, so in 18 years of, of being the king of Judah, he still had a tender heart toward God. Folks, often we get callous. The longer we walk with God, the more callous that we become and the more jaded we become in our life. And in the 18th year of this young man, Josiah, he's still tender to the person of God. He's still saying yes to the direction of God. And if you look at verses 3 through 7, he's leading a nation toward God. And he takes this nation and he says, look, we need to spend some time on the temple of God because it looks like it's been missed. The temple has been missed. And so he sends workers to the temple to, to, to look after the temple. And the workers found silver and gold or silver in the temple. And, and Josiah looks at him and he says, look, take all the silver that you find in the temple and rebuild it. And I, I'm not going to require anything. Just go and do the work and do it well. And while they're working on the temple, one of the priests, one of the secretaries, finds the book of the law. This is what I find amazing. The priest didn't know the book of the law. The book of the law had been lost. Now, there may have been some priests who understood it and had, had, it had been passed on to them, but I find it very interesting as you read the verses, it says that one of them, as they were cleaning up the temple, they're working on the temple. They find the book of the law, and one of them decides, hey, it would be a really good thing if we read this. If you look at this, you'll see it. Chapter 22, verses 10 and 11, Then the court secretary, Shapham, told the king, the high priest, Hilkiah, has given me a book. And he read it in the presence of the king. And the king heard the words of the book of the law. And he tore his clothes. And then if you look down at verse 13, Go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, for all Judah about the words in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this book in order to do everything that is written about us. They find the book of the law, and, and the king says, look, read this. And they read it, and immediately he begins to tear his clothes. In those days, that meant that he was humbling himself before the words of the Lord. He was admitting his need. He was admitting that what was being said here had great value. And as he reads the word of the Lord, he humbles himself before God. As I was reading this passage, a couple thoughts came to me about this response. Number one, 
He listened to the word of the Lord. When was the last time you actually really listened to the word of God? Now, I, I don't mean... I don't, I don't mean because Mike and I have said, read your Bible every day, that you sat down and you, you read. I, I, don't, I don't mean that. When was the last time you really listened to the Word of God, that you allowed the Word of God to seep down into your very being and have an effect on your soul? Can I say something about our culture right now? Most of us don't even know what our soul is. We've buried it. Our souls are asleep. And when something deep begins to happen, we find some way of distracting ourselves from the Spirit of God actually talking to our soul. Because when the Spirit of God gets a hold of our soul, it changes who we are. That's the effect of the Word of God. And this young king, he's still, he's still young at this point, folks. The 18th year of his reign. And he listens to the word of God and he humbles himself. He hears it. And he allows it to grab a hold of his heart. So he listened to the word of God and he responded. He not only heard it, but he responded to the word of God. And it began to change his very person. And if you keep reading this, you realize this, that not only does he respond to the word of God, he pursues the word of God. It's not good enough just to hear it. It's not good enough to go, wow, that means something. He pursues. He chases after the word of God. And if you read this, you'll find this. That Look, look at his pursuit. He sent messengers, and they gathered. Well, these are, we might not need these. He sent messengers out through the kingdom, and he had them gather. Thank you. My daughter is helping me. It's awesome. He gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him, and then the king went to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the prophets and all the people from the youngest to the oldest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, that had been found in the Lord's temple. And next, the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, his decrees, and his statutes. And with all his heart and with all his soul, in order to carry out the words of this covenant, they were written in his book. All the people agreed with the covenant. He listened to the word of God. He responded to the word of God. He pursued the word of God. He chased it down. If you read this whole section, you'll find this. He sent people to the prophetess. There was a prophetess left. And he said, go to her and ask what the Lord would have me to do. And he went and, the, and, and, and she said, you've got to keep doing what you're doing. Humble yourself before the Lord. He pursued it. He chased after it. But that wasn't enough. Those last verses I just read, he put it into action. He stood before the people and he said, look, not only are we going to hear the word of God, we're going to do something about it. And he made a covenant with the people that they would follow the word of the Lord. It's very interesting if you read through this whole story that immediately God's answer to Josiah, because he was so tender before God, he said, look, 
all of the destruction that I've promised on this nation, you're not going to see it. Because your heart has been tendered toward me, I'm going to have it so that you miss that. His heart, action, and reaction moved the heart of God. It moved the heart of God. And he pulled all the people together and he said, we're going to make a covenant before God and we're going to honor God together. Now immediately when I say the word covenant, there's a whole bunch of us that get really, and we're like, oh, we don't make covenants before God because Ecclesiastes says, be careful when you make a covenant or a vow before God that if you don't keep it, it's on your head. That's all true, but it doesn't mean we don't make a covenant before God. Folks, we make covenants every day in our lives. If any of you right now have a mortgage on your house, you have a covenant with a bank. If you have a loan on your car or one of the play toys that you own, you have a covenant with a bank. You made a covenant with a bank. Let me ask you a question. Is it better to make a covenant with God or with a lending agency? What do you think? We're free. We're happy to do it with a lending agency. But with God? This king, who had a tender heart, stood before God and said, look, this matters so much in my life that I will personally make a covenant with God that I will stay the course. That I will stay the course. That's that's deep, folks. That's huge. But I will do it. I'm not talking about a covenant as a a group of people because I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know where you're going. But I can tell you this, my covenant before God that I do on a regular basis is, God, I'm yours. I am yours. Where you lead me, I will go. What you ask of me, I will do it. I'm in. I am your child. I am your servant. Use me as you will. That is my covenant to God and has been my covenant to God. And almost on a Daily, weekly basis, that is the conversation that God and I have. You want to know why we have it so regularly? Because if we didn't, I would forget. Not him, but me. And I would become about me. Folks, it's important that we understand the depth of the truth of the word of God, how important it is, how strong it is, and we make a covenant before God as Christ followers that we're his. He bought us with his blood. He paid the ultimate price for you. The least I could do is give him my all. He made a covenant. This king said, I'm all in. They made a covenant before God. He acted on the covenant. And you'll see that in the rest of chapter 23. Read it sometimes. It's a great little read. He went and he tore down all the idols all the altars, all the places of worship to foreign gods. He pulled them all down. He burned them all. He got rid of them all. And he said, well, I'm king. We will serve Jehovah. That is what we'll do. He put his words and his covenant into action. He walked it out in his daily life. And the result of Josiah's tender heart toward God gave the nation of Judah peace in Josiah's lifetime. Folks, all of our actions have consequences. 
And you can say, well, Josiah was a king, and so his actions affected a lot more people. And yes, that is true, but folks, your actions affect your family. And your choice to make a covenant before God to be the man or the woman that God has asked you to be, to be the teenager or the young person that God has asked you to be, to be the grandparent that God has asked you to be, will have a consequence and an effect on your extended family and the people that you live life with and you work with every day. All of our actions have consequences. And Josiah's tender heart toward God caused the nation of Judah to be at peace for his entire reign. Let me read a description for you of the end of his life. Chapter 23, verse 25. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, according to all the laws of Moses, and no one like him arose after him. Wow. I was reading that verse and I was thinking about my life. I do this from time to time. I think about how I want my life to end up. I've done it since I was a teenager where I've sat and I've spent time thinking about what do I want people to say about me as my life wraps up? What do I want my legacy to be? Because we all are going to leave one whether we want to or not. And as I was reading this verse, I thought, you know what? There couldn't be much better said of someone than that they followed the Lord their whole life. And their heart was tender to the word and the person of God. I think that's what I want. I don't want to be known for anything great. I want my family and my kids to look at me and go, you know what, he loved God, and because of that, he loved us. I want the people of Mossbrook Church to go, you know what, he gave himself to God. That's why he was here. That's why he did what he did. And what that takes is it takes a tender heart toward the person of God every day of my life. That's what it takes. It takes me yielding to God. That's what I want. What do you want? See, what I want isn't often what everybody else wants. And you know what? It's okay. It's all right. What I want isn't what the world wants. It's okay. But it's my choice. And my choice is to have a tender heart before God. It's personal. It affects my family. It affects this church. But it's my choice. What's yours? What's yours? Will you be like Josiah and have a tender heart toward God? The reason I want to do that is because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. God sent his one and only son to this earth to pay the price for the sin of Tim Knowles. You can put your name in there. It's allowed. He did that for you too. But he came to die for me so that I could have life, so that I could have hope, so that I could have a future, so that I could make a difference for him on this earth in this little short window that I have. And he did the same for you. This morning, we want to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. We want to have a tender heart toward him for the fact that he was willing to take the ultimate pain and sacrifice and separation from his father for me, for his love for me and for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, 
On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, a tender heart toward God, sometimes, folks, we can lose that. The world we live in is very jaded. The world we live in keeps sliding farther and farther away from truth. And it's easy for us as Christ followers to be on that slide with them. And the next thing you know, your heart is no longer moldable by the Spirit of God. It's no longer tender to the person of God. It's no longer tender to the truth of who God is. Instead, you became self-centered and self-fulfilled and self-righteous. And you look at the world not as a place where you get to share mercy and hope and grace, but a place where you have to put up with it. God never called us to put up with anything. He called us to show the grace and the love of His Son, Jesus Christ, to everybody that we meet. And so this morning as we celebrate communion, hopefully as you come in, you got one of these. If not, there's some up front where you can make your way up and grab those. But as we celebrate communion, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ went to the cross and his body was broken for us. His blood was spilt so that you and I could have life. And it didn't end on that cross. I love this. The only one who rose again, who brought himself back. See, paying the price for sin was dealing with death, which is the penalty of sin. And only one person could do that. That's the perfect one, the Lamb of God. And he did that for you and for me. And so as Catherine sings for us in a moment, go ahead as you're ready and take the elements this morning. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for the fact that you were willing to go to the cross for us. Help this reminder of what you did. Keep our heart tender to you. God, may we make a covenant with you once again even this morning that we're in, we'll follow you, we'll live for you. We'll do what it is that you ask. Thank you for the example of Josiah, his willingness as a king to follow you, to be led by you, and no matter what it took to say yes, oh God, help us to have that same heart, that same attitude. By your spirit, guide us as we celebrate communion this morning. In your name we pray, amen. here this morning, can I just challenge you for a minute? Young people, eight years old, king, tender heart toward God. Teens, you don't have to give in to the peer pressure. The Spirit of God can hold you and grow you make you into an incredible influence in the generation to come. He wants to. A tender heart toward God. Parents, you can't make your kids follow God, but you can bring them to the throne of God every day and set them at His feet and ask the Spirit of God to direct them and guide them and lead them and draw them into truth. 
And by your example of a tender heart to God, show them what it means to be full of the grace and the mercy and the love of God. Grandparents, you can't make anybody do anything. But you also have an access to the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. And you have an ability to lead people by your actions and your love and your deep heart for God to show them that there's a different way to live. We corporately as a body of believers have an opportunity to be tender to the person of God and say yes to him. Will you as an individual, as a Christ follower, no matter your age, make that covenant between you and God? Father, grant us the courage to say yes to you, to be willing to humble ourselves and pursue the truth that you've revealed to us through your word and your son, Jesus Christ. And then would you help us to be courageous enough to put those truths into action in our everyday living. Oh God, make us a people of your word, a people who show the truth of Jesus Christ to this town, to this, this county that we live in, that we could make a difference for your kingdom. God, cause us to have a tender heart towards you. In your name we pray, amen. God bless.